Welcome to Crushgasm, the podcast dedicated to the highs and lows of crushes. From their first to their worst, we're going to cover them all with a cascade of characters, including our guest today, a one-woman marvel, DL, a singer, songwriter, composer, and author who is here to talk not only about her new endeavor, one woman, one guitar, but also her crush from a BBC staple, Blue Peters, John Leslie. DL, how are you? I'm really well, Kendra, thank you. How are you? I'm good. Now, Blue Peter is something in America I have no idea, but I'm sure there's lots of American pop culture that you have no idea about either. So for Americans, like like I said, we're kind of clueless when it comes to pop culture from around the world. We tend uh-huh. to think ours is the most relevant, but <laughs> Blue Peter is like the longest running children's program like ever. It beat out Sesame Street by a few yeah. years. So for those listening, can you give a quick rundown of what exactly Blue Peter is? Oh, so Blue Peter um, is, yeah, it's a staple of our childhood and, and it goes back to when there were, you know, really not very many uh, channels on the TV at all. I don't know how it is for you guys, but there, wa- there was a time where we only had like three channels mm-hmm. and, um, and Blue Peter was, I think memories are hazy but I think it was on every day and um, I may be wrong about that and it was yeah it was it was yeah like Sesame Street it was just one of those shows that um um was was on all of the time and they had uh they, they had a studio dog so there would be um two two or three presenters that become like the extra face in your living room every day um, so, so to get a job as Blue Peter presenter is 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 like getting a job as a weather girl. You know, it's 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 an amazing, um, amazing opportunity. But it was such a popular program, and they would do all sorts of things like arts and crafts, and they would have different people in the studio, and um, you know, all of all of your uh, popular culture people would come in and do a bit, and they would have elephants and teach you about animals, and they had a studio dog and. Well, it definitely sounds very Sesame Street. I think a lot of the people that started when Sesame Street started are still there. I think they live and die by the show. We don't really get a lot of turnover. It's an institution, right? It's like, you know, everybody knows Sesame Street. And Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, very similar in that, that you would have, you know, guest bits and all of that. But I think... um, um, I am guessing a little bit, but I think Blue Beats is probably aimed at slightly older children. Possibly. So it's, it's not, yeah, it, it's not really, um, really smallies, but yeah, slightly, slightly big ones. But sometimes Sesame Street has little bits that go viral, so we, like us as adults, we will tune back in if uh, Elmo's yeah. acting wild or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've still, I've still got a friend who I used to work with um, years ago who um, we we were we were together all the time and then we started like socializing together as well and we started calling each other Bert and Ernie and we oh. still do that <laughs> we still do that to this day and was Blue Peter like a show you watched all the time even before John Leslie was part of the show I think so I think um, I think John Leslie was like my generation of, of Blue Peter presenter so everybody's got their you know, like their James Bond, you know, everybody's mm-hmm. got their <laughs> um, their Blue Peter presenter that they uh, that was that was most popular when they were in their formative years. And you say like he was a presenter on the show, so he kind of does the like bits and everything. Yeah, he was like uh, so. Blue Peter presenters are like an anchor on a news mm-hmm. program, I guess. That you know, they were the they were the home face. Um, and they were, you know, always in the studio and they were the ones who would, um, uh, you know, interview people and stuff. The other thing I've just remembered that Blue Peter used to do that everybody went um, everybody went crazy for <laughs> was they, they used to do a thing where um, they would have all kinds of different types of um, competitions and challenges and stuff like that. And you could send in, you know, if you sent it, if they had a, um art competition for example you could send your paintings in and the ones that won got a blue peter badge and these things were highly 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 coveted and so that was like a before you could just tweet everybody and before you before celebrities were accessible in any way at all to actually be sent something from someone off the telly was was just incredible and um 
so that was yeah that was something that they used to do where you could you could send in and not everybody would get one so it was it was quite a special thing to get a blue peter badge I, I never got one but when Drag Race UK because it's on the BBC they can't win money but they do win Rue Peter badges and now now I know where it's from <laughs> oh I didn't know that oh that's that's totally where that's come from okay that is absolutely so where that's come from <laughs> so what about John Leslie stuck out to you when you were a kid watching this show like what made him like kind of pique your interest I, I still to this very day have a thing and it's not necessarily like a like a crush thing but i i I, i'm quite short i'm like five foot two Mm -hmm. and i really love hanging out with tall people i have a thing about about tall people um i've got a friend called reggie who's very tall and um, i don't see him very often and when (laughs) sneak up sorry it sounds really weird doesn't it i just sneak up and stand next to him there's something about um I don't know, like feeling small and feeling looked after and feeling sort of precious. And there was something about um, something about John Leslie because he's he's tall guy and um, yeah, he just I don't know. I just I, I liked his face and he just seemed really <laughs> like sort of you know caring and cuddly and and then I think as I got a little bit bigger, um, those feelings. <laughs> developed into you know something a little bit more interesting than that but I was still like really really young I was still like I mean, 11 years old or something and I think I don't really I didn't really understand what I was feeling I think I was gonna say you, know, you weren't yet a teen so was this one of the first sort of crushes you had that felt a little bigger than just oh you know that kid in class is cute yeah, I think so. I um, I I was actually bullied quite a lot at school, and um, I didn't I didn't have a great time with boys or girls actually. Um, when I when I was really little, when I was like you know when I first went to school, um, and I think I don't I don't really I don't really remember having a crush on anyone at school like younger than that age. I probably did, but. Um, there's nothing, nothing more sort of. I think that there were probably more just just feelings about being around other people of the opposite sex in general. Um, you know, boys um, when when you were younger, and it, and it. I guess it wasn't personal. It's just you know, or you're just a boy. You're one of those <laughs> things, and it was <laughs> it wasn't about anyone in particular. But there was definitely something about you know. I remember. Um, I remember like hanging off his every word <laughs> and um, and being really disappointed if if I missed it oh, and if mm-hmm. I couldn't if I couldn't watch Blue Peter for whatever reason oh I get that <laughs> sounded like he was sort of comforting too since you didn't have such a great time at school you could come home and watch this like nice good-looking guy who seems sweet Oh. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think there was definitely something, something reassuring about it, and almost like a little bit of escapism. You know, mm-hmm. they just, um, you know, it's just the, you know, familiar voice. It's like listening to your favorite radio programs and stuff, and you, you know, you you develop a fondness for the for the radio host that you listen to a lot, and um, it's that that sort of thing where, I guess to a certain extent, I I did. There's a there's a bond of some kind. There's a relationship of some kind um, that's that's built that that forms just from that amount of time. Mm-hmm. And being someone that's been involved in music since you were a toddler, did you have any crushes on like musicians at this time, or was it just John Leslie? When I was a bit older, <laughs> um, when yeah, when I was a bit older, I was obsessed with Bon Jovi. Um, at one point, but yeah, it was definitely more like, uh, yeah, 15, 14, 15, 16 um, at that age. And I, the, the kind of music that I, I fell in love with my parents' record collection. So a lot of the people that, a lot of the musicians that I really, really loved, some of them had died before I was born. <laughs> they were like, it, it was um, so. So, but Bon Jovi was a was um, was a contemporary, and I think at one point I even felt like. 
I felt like I looked like him. I put a post on my Facebook page a couple of years ago when I was saying, um, I really feel like, I, I don't know why, it's this urge to confess. I feel like I went through a phase where I even looked like Bon Jovi when I was about that age. I was like, and that's weird. Um, and they were like, no, 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 don't be ridiculous. Don't be silly. And I found a picture of myself with like a similar haircut when he had like the 90s haircut and the glasses. And everyone's like, oh yeah, maybe there's a bit there. But I was, yeah, I was absolutely obsessed. And it, he was the only person that I had where like the typical teenage girl thing of like, every inch of my bedroom wall was covered in Bon Jovi posters and I remember um, one trip in particular where um, I'd been uh, I'd, we'd, we'd been out shopping to um, the cash and carry and my um, with my dad which is not something that occurred very often um, and because it was somewhere that was somewhere different from where you, where you would normally shop they had all these all these posters and there, and this poster of him in the bath, Oh, and and he's wearing a crown of roses, and he is well, you know, to my mind, quite clearly is naked, and it's all you know very sexy, and it's covered in bubbles and stuff. And I begged my, and I was really shy, really shy child, and I begged my dad to buy it for me, and you could see that he was dying of embarrassment. <laughs> and, and <laughs> did you get it? And uh, yeah, he did. Um, he did get it for me, but he just, you know, like wordlessly he just thought oh I'll just put it in the truck that is such a racy poster (laughs) it's really I mean it sounds gorgeous yeah you can't see anything it's like you know he's topless and there's you know there's bubbles and everything but I think you know my little mind just went crazy and thought oh my god I have to have this poster I mean, I'm Philly on there because my thing was Backstreet Boys. And when they got on the cover of Rolling Stone, they were in suits, but their pants were down and they had their boxers. And I remember on MTV, they announced it was out. And I was like, it was probably like the evening time around dinner. And I was like 12, 13 years old. I threw the biggest fit. I threw myself on the floor for my mom to take me to town to get it because it was probably a 15, 20 minute drive. like, I need it now. <laughs> like I was, like I felt oh, like oh, I was gonna die if I didn't have it. Oh, props to you for asking for it, though. I think I just, I just was so horrified by these feelings and discussing it with my parents, particularly my dad, when I was that age. That um, I was just, I, I, I was just so embarrassed, and it was, it was one of. Them. <laughs> so fair play to you for asking for it. I mean, they they knew. They knew of my obsession. They knew yeah. my life. Even today, my dad will still be like, how are the Backstreet Boys doing? Like, I know <laughs> that. <laughs> like, oh, you know, they're doing I'll update them on their lives. <laughs> how do you think the crush on Bon Jovi, because you were slightly older, maybe your, like, hormones had developed a little more compared to your crush on John Leslie, which seemed a little more innocent? Yeah, I think it was definitely... Um, it was definitely much more up front and centre in my mind and I I was definitely obsessed for probably maybe 18 months or two years where like um, I I don't think I listened to anything else I don't think I listened to any other music <laughs> during that time um, certainly not very often and I would, you know, every day on a journey to school. So I, I went to school quite far away. And um, so there was a train, a train journey and then a bus or a walk the other side. And the whole journey was about an hour. Mm. Um, and and I would just, yeah, just listen to Bon Jovi albums constantly. And just, and I was, I was also, so I started training as a vocalist when I was 11. So I was training as well during that time. And I was, um, and, and I would just... Um, I think I might have Bon Jovi to thank for my ability to sing harmonies really well, actually, because I remember saying, oh my God, I can't believe I'm saying this. I remember saying to one of my friends, because I would always sing a harmony part, uh, rather than, you know, when you're like sitting in the back of the bus, screaming at the top of your voice your favourite song when you were 14 that um, everyone's singing the tune because that's what normal people do and I would always I would always sing a harmony part or a backing vocal or something and um, see I'm dying with embarrassment even telling you this story and I said to one of my friends one of my friends said why do you do that why don't you just you know sing what everyone else sings 
And then I said to her, before I even thought about it, before I even considered what came out of my mouth or how it would sound, I said to her, because then that way I'm singing with him, not as him. Oh. So in my mind, I'm on stage at Wembley with Bon Jovi. <laughs> well, you were just practicing in case. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you know, if you if, if you need me, I'm here. I'm just <laughs> but from uh, John Bon Jovi back to John Leslie, yeah. which you have a thing for John's. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I do know a lot of Johns. <laughs> uh, you noticed yeah. it, uh, noted that the crush on John Leslie, it wasn't like a lengthy one by any means, months, no more than a year. You were sort of done with him. Was it that John Bon Jovi took over? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I think um, John Leslie um, left Blue Peter oh. um, probably around about the time that I grew out of, of watching it. And I think... It, probably those two things went hand in hand that um as i got as i got older than the kind of target market for, for blue peter and um, he, he fell away but i yeah i i it was i do remember it being quite intense it was very and it was a kind of thing yeah a kind of thing that again i would get shy about talking about it and i would i would feel embarrassed about even talking about john leslie I would I would feel myself blushing and stuff, and I you know when I was small. So yeah, probably it was a combination of things that um, the the presenters changed, and I stopped watching it anyway. And um, and I yeah then uh, went to a different school around about that time. So we changed we changed schools um, around about the age of eleven here. Um, so my routine would have been different. Um, oh. And um, yeah, you know, watching more grown-up programs and and stuff like that. But I think yeah, definitely. But for John um, Leslie, John like Jovi definitely took over. I mean, that's how it is. We have like I think there's little chapters of our crushes. You can kind of bookmark each little moment of your life with who you're crushing on for sure. <laughs> but uh, John Leslie kind of he left Blue Peter, but he was kind of I was looking into him. He was like the it guy when it came to hosting back in the day. He went from Blue Peter. He did a run on the UK version of Wheel of Fortune, and even did a season of Survivor, which is big. Do you mm. feel like did you feel like inclined to watch any? of those dip back into the crush a little i was always i was always pleased to see him um he's he's fallen um it, it would be remiss to sit here talking about him without um acknowledging a couple of things that there's there's been um he he got in trouble he was living a rock star i think the reason why he left blue peter and forgive me john if you're listening and i'm relaying this incorrectly um the I think he got he got in trouble for some drug use and um, there were some allegations about um, sexual assault and stuff like that. He'd been acquitted twice of that, um, yeah, but there but... was a lot of bad. There, there was a lot of you know he he's he was sort of living a bit of a um, rock star lifestyle, and because that wasn't becoming to the image of somebody who's a children's TV presenter, um, that didn't go down very well. And I believe I may well be wrong. I believe that's why he left. Um, Blue Peter um, but I was always pleased to see him when he popped up on TV I mean back in I think it was about 2020 like my favorite Backstreet Boy had some allegations as well I don't think they went anywhere like to court or anything I think it kind of fizzled but it was kind of like oh no my crush from my childhood how could you did it but you know since it went away I'm good now but did that impact <laughs> you at all when he was like in the headlines in some negative light yeah, I think um, it's the not knowing what to believe. I think I found quite hard, and I always try to reserve judgment when these things are in the news because the way that the way that things are reported is so sensationalised anyway. Mm-hmm. And no, yeah, nobody nobody really knows. It's nobody really knows what what happened and you know and and until that's gone through the courts like I say you know he's been he's been through the court system twice and been acquitted twice yeah um you know I just I'm 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 sort of one of those people that would think well if anyone we have to go with that Mm -hmm. 
you mean? know, you, you kind of you kind of have to go with that. It's it's you know it's not my place to judge anyway, but um, it is it is difficult when somebody yeah you know all of these things coming up that are so at odds with their you know image the TV persona yeah. that, you know and obviously you know I'm a big girl now I know that people can be a TV children's TV presenter and they still have sex and they still drink wine and they still you know all of these things that we pretend that they don't do yeah because they're, <laughs> you're trying um, to think but, they're like Barbie dolls and Ken dolls yeah, like. <laughs> and it's it's an unfair standard to to um to hold somebody to but there was that you know that that kind of you know um child like adoration um of him when um when I when I was really small and it it was it was very sad and it was very sad to see because it's um you know but as you say you know he was he was presenting all sorts of things back then I think it really um he's he's left showbiz now but on the flip side, on a happier note, you got to spend a weekend with John Leslie, but not in the way people y'all always said all that stuff, not in like the rock star lifestyle kind of way. But <sighs> you're leading a songwriting retreat, and this man, yeah. across, he walks in. Uh, so it's one thing to know someone is going to be around, but as a surprise, how did you like sort of compose yourself? Oh my holy god, it took every ounce of my of my self-control of which I don't have a huge amount um, <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah I think I think years years of being a performer really really helped me you know I I sort of uh developed this like I say I was a very shy child and I and I just was obsessed with music and and ended up you know and ended up performing and stuff even though I was very shy I did a lot of performances even from when I was really small and I, I learned to sort of develop this shield that's on the top and you know underneath you're going oh my god but your face <laughs> is like everything's fine <laughs> and, I, <laughs> um, and I definitely I definitely did that so this this songwriting retreat it was so weird because I'd already spoken to him on the phone as well oh. he, rang, he rang me to book onto the thing and um and and he was and he he was I don't know where he lives now but he was living in Edinburgh at the time and I'm in the south in the UK and he'd flown down to do this songwriting retreat and I'd um it was it was this amazing event that we used to do and um it was in the South Downs in Hampshire where we, you know it's all rolling hills and forests and um, loads and loads of nature and um, and simplicity of life. And it was at this place where they've got a uh, like a classroom. Well, they call it the Woodland Classroom, but it's this beautiful, um, beautiful building um, made out of uh, mud and trees in in the forest where they've got an open fireplace and all of that. And we were doing some sessions in there, and I was staying in a yurt, and we were doing some sessions in there, and everybody else was um, camping. Or it was freakishly cold. I remember that weekend as well. And uh, so the the induction session was in this, um, like that, you know, the first session um, was in this uh, in, in in the woodland classroom. So it was right down in the woods. There's no electricity. There's no lights to get there or anything. And we just had the light of the fire. And I was just welcoming everybody and saying, you know, this is what we're going to do this weekend. Um, we're here to, you know, talk creativity and support each other in being creative and. <laughs> and um and this, and and you know and I I knew that not everybody was there and and because he'd had such a long journey he was late oh. and I and I started um I'd I'd already started and I was I was essentially presenting I was standing out talking <laughs> and when when he walked in the room and I looked at him and I looked around and I looked at the floor and I looked <laughs> back at him like that is John Leslie. <laughs> But he booked he booked it under a, he he booked it under a different name and um and I just you know I just thought I just chose to respect that that you know if he if he wanted everybody to know then he would he would he would have said and um so I just sort of uh yeah I don't know really it was the one of the most moments of my life the more I think about it it's just <laughs> so like he was there to learn songwriting. Yeah. Oh, 
That was my big thing when you told me you went to a songwriting retreat. I'm like, he didn't seem like he had maybe music in his repertoire, but he went to this. He, so. <laughs> yeah, he, um, you know, we creative people all do dip into lots of different things. And um, yeah, it was just how we, I, I know it was, it was, it was something that he was, he was exploring. And um and yeah, I mean, I got to I got to work with him through the weekend. I got to play, you know, help him with his songs that he was writing and play his songs for him and play, you know, play things Were they good? and all of that. And uh, yeah, he, you know, he's he was um, ev- everybody. I, you know, those weekends were amazing because it's just um, uh, falling away of the judgment and it's much you know I, I always try and encourage everybody to I think creativity is really important for people for their own wellness and if you feel the urge to make things and to do things and to create things that the end result should not be judged you should just be free to enjoy that process of making stuff and um and then you know whatever whatever happens happens but he you know definitely had some really you know strong ideas about um, and unique ideas about about what he um, what he was exploring, and um, I I would kind of run it in a way that I would sort of you know not teach exactly, but I would give like little things for um, little challenges and and things like if you're stuck, try this, and if you're stuck, try this, and have a think about this. And I would I would have activities for people to do so that they're not just like sitting in the woods with a pen. <laughs> um, <laughs> so there was there was stuff to do. Um, but uh, so it was it was a combination of like and every, everybody had um, everybody had one to one time with me as well throughout the weekend so everybody who was on the course <laughs> had a one to one I'm like oh my god John Leslie's <laughs> and they and they were in my yurt so everyone's like coming to my yurt for their one to one I'm like oh my god John Leslie's coming to my yurt <laughs> I can't even imagine like my crush from when I was 11 walking into my world and I had to help Thanks. them I would be a mess absolutely i don't know how i kept it together to be honest i think i just i I just really sort of was i i really wanted to make sure i'd made a really big thing and this is really important to me about everybody respecting each other and to be fair i was really glad that i'd said that before he arrived (laughs) (laughs) because then because you could see everybody else i mean there was there was um uh, another one of the other participants is a similar age to me and you could see that you know some of the people who were like the same age as me all having the same thought <laughs> they're like oh my god and they're here. all like whispering and at breakfast because we're staying there so at breakfast everyone's like do you think that's, is, is that john leslie john leslie and people are coming up to me going is that john leslie and i'm like just leave him alone like, just, just <laughs> let, let the man be let the man be and i'm like yes of course i like it john leslie. <laughs> and um and then towards the end of the weekend uh, one of the other participants um, finally plucked up the courage because they, because so so what happened was that it was May Bank Holiday weekend, which is meant to be reasonably warm in the UK, and everybody was going to camp, and then we had this spike, like minus four freezing weather, and everybody else who was camping um, went into the guest house, so they were all staying in the guest house together. And uh, but I couldn't do that because I was using my I, I was using my yurt as um, like workshop space. So it, it was part of the program. Like I needed that room. Um, so everyone else was staying in the guest house. And towards the end, <laughs> towards the end of the weekend, um, one of the girls said to him, um, "I think you sent me a blue Peter badge when I was 11. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 they just after like three or four days whatever it was it finally um it finally came out and they they had the conversation but I wasn't I wasn't there I wasn't there for that I wonder how many people still have their blue peter badges today I would be something I definitely would have kept yeah definitely it was it was definitely something that was very special and you know I mean if you look at the people probably sell them on eBay for loads and loads of money but um yeah it's definitely they, they were definitely a special thing. <laughs> well, um, I'm so excited that the Rue Peter badge from RuPaul's Drag Race has history yeah, with the BBC. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. <laughs> 
So as we do with 99.9% of our chats here, we're going to end this portion with some make-believe. So if 11-year-old you had your dreams come true and you, at 18, landed with John Leslie later in life, what do you think your lives would be like today? So if I'd ended up, if I'd ended up with my childhood crush, um, I think, yeah, I probably would still be very, you know, very similar. Maybe he might have been... <laughs> selfishly might have been good for my tv career probably living in scotland writing songs yeah looking through the they used to have a thing um i i think if i had if i had married someone who was a blue peter presenter i'd have to have a house with all the different shaped windows so they have this thing where you know you look through the round window or you look through the square window and i think i would have to have a house we'd, we'd have a house with like you know a round window <laughs> and a square window <laughs> well, you have to. I mean, he. I think he would appreciate it. <laughs> I'll call back to oh, his the career. poor man. Bless him. Oh my god. So That's now a it's funny thought. <laughs> now it's time to talk more about what you have going on. Um, but to go back to your crush for a second, were there any musical components to Blue Peter when you were a kid that maybe helped you with music? There may well have been. I don't. I don't remember that specifically, but I think it was very encouraging. It, it did encourage, certainly with arts and making things and stuff like that. But I used to, um, one of the other things I did that drove my family crazy was collect loo rolls, but um, like the insides of um, toilet roll, oh. like, like cardboard bit yeah. in the middle. And um, and they were always making stuff out of household <laughs> items. So you would, you know, you'd make stuff out of um, washing up bottles and uh um, and the and the the loo roll holders they always used to uh, make like desk tidies out of them and stuff and I went through a phase of incessantly making <laughs> desk tidies. Everybody then, got one for Christmas. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, all made out of old toilet rolls. And I used to save them like every single toilet roll I had in my room. And uh, when I was when I was like maybe ten, you know, nine or ten, I would just keep. I can't believe I'm telling you this. I would, um, you know, have had loads and loads of them, um, loads of these toilet rolls, and, and and everybody like if anyone finished a loo roll and they didn't give me the thing in the middle, I'd get really upset. The loo roll girl. I had hundreds of these, and I kept them until um, until we got a puppy when I was about eleven, and um, when she was teething, she wanted things to eat, and I would just feed them to the dog. Oh. Oh, the... yeah. I'm not sure that that's good advice for anyone who's got a dog. Well, your family sort of gave you that head start in music because your dad put a guitar in your hands. You were just a kid. Do you remember the first song you ever like sort of grasped on the guitar? I rem I remember singing a lot and being around like my dad playing a lot when I was little. And um, somebody asked me, see, the first time I really remember playing in earnest was um, when I was, yeah, like preteen, young teenager. But I'd had piano lessons for when I was five. And uh, my dad played keys as well, so did my nana, his mum. Um, and, um, and yeah, my piano teacher was a really tall man, and I loved him. <laughs> <laughs> Love that height. It was, it was just little, yeah, little tiny five-year-old with my little fat fingers, like trying to play piano. <laughs> and uh, I don't really remember playing the guitar when I was really small. But I asked my dad once because somebody asked me. Somebody asked me in a radio interview, and I said, "Oh, I think I was like maybe you know twelve or 13 And I came home and asked dad and said, "How old were, how old was I when you when you started trying to get me to play guitar?" And he said, "Oh, I don't know, about three. <laughs> so, um, so I think dad, dad had been trying. He, he was, um, he was always very keen for for me to. Um, he loved music, you know. He, he was really keen for us to learn instruments and have that exposure. But there was just always loads and loads of music in the house, you know. Like, and the the records that my parents used to listen to were were amazing. And um, a couple of years ago, I wrote a song for my mum for Mother's Day, oh. and um, and." She is. It, that's a funny story, actually, because I, I have a thing about writing songs for people, and it, it it started off being an outlet for actually a couple of bereavements I had when I was younger, and I've written songs about these people that I'd lost, and um, and then it sort of moved on to you know writing songs about um, just 
ex- life experience, you know, as, as a lot of people do in my um, young and inexperienced and clumsy way. And, um, and my mum had said to me a long, long time ago, she said, um, can I have my song before I die, please? So she, didn't, oh. she wanted me to do it. Said, Don't write a song about me when I'm dead. Do it now, sort of thing. And um, and a couple of years ago, I um, I yeah, the the stars aligned, and I and I was inspired to write something for my mum for for Mother's Day, and um, I I was thinking about kind of where to start, particularly musically with it, like you know, you've got every choice under the sun of like what kind of song you want to write, but what um really reminds me of my mum, um when I was really small is is Joni Mitchell so I remember that I've got a very very few um, memories of being at home with my mum when it was just the two of us um, like my dad was at work and my um, and my brother was at school and being the second child like there's there, I don't have a lot of memories of being with my mum by myself when I was really little and um and I just remember that you know when my mum was a stay-at-home mum until um, until I went to school, so she would be, you know, cooking or cleaning the house or hoovering or whatever. And I just remember these amazing records being on all the time. And um, and uh, she would she would play uh, Joni Mitchell. And the two that I particularly remember were um, the Ladies of the Canyon album and um, and the Graceland album that she would she would play when she was cleaning the house when it was just us. And um, and that album, uh, Ladies of the Canyon, just always makes me think about my mum. You know, she's she's fine. She's still here. It's you know, it just um, wherever I am in the world, if I hear any music from that album, it it reminds me of those you know those those really early those really early memories. And um, so I kind of uh, musically went there with with this song that I I. Um, you know, use the Joni Mitchell tuning, which is different from how you normally tune a guitar, and um, and and wrote my song, wrote my mum's song with that. So it's got that like Joni vibes, but it's this kind of like Joni and my mum are all mixed in together. But I just had amazing exposure to incredible music from such a young age, and like I say, we didn't have the telly on a lot. There was you know music either either my dad would be at home playing guitar, or we would have records on, or you know, music on at home, and um, my my dad's mum also um, used to socialise through music. So whenever we had family get-togethers, she was one of fourteen. Oh my god! Yeah, so there were a lot of them, <laughs> and um, and I remember that she had this big like string bag of percussion, and everybody had to take part. So you couldn't you couldn't just say, oh, I don't know that song, Nano. I don't, I don't, I can't sing that. I don't know. I can't play that on the piano now. Okay, like no, no, no. He and she would find something for you to do, and um, that has been a massive influence that I haven't realised until much later in my life. That until I realised that I was doing the same thing at my own gigs, I would do that. I used to take <laughs> egg shakers and pass them around, and you know, and everybody, everybody would take part, and, and I was like, <laughs> make everyone do it. Um, it's like a homage to your grandma when you play yeah. and I didn't even realize I was doing it until years afterwards I thought oh my god this is until I was I had to like a, a, a moment of like I was walking around with the bag collecting <laughs> up the percussion afterwards going oh my god I'm my grandmother <laughs> this is Nana this is this is and I mean she and she that was long after she passed away it was um I've got goosebumps just talking about it now. It's it's funny that these things they you don't realise how much mm-hmm. they um yeah how much they influence you and um I just I think like I say music was a way of socialising and bringing people together um in my in my very early years it was a way of um, particularly with with my nana it was a way of expressing love so it's a way of like showing people that you love them and it's a way of giving them attention and care and um and all those kind of things and I think that just got under my skin from when I was really young it was like you know this is this is how the world is and I do I still experience the world by what I can hear and what 
you know, not, not even just music, like, you know, just that I listen, I, I, I experience the world by listening and, um, yeah, it's amazing. So I always think it's one thing to be a fan of music like myself, but I think it's a whole nother level when you want to revolve your life around music and be a musician. When did you sort of know you wanted to do that? Were you like, well, I'm dead set on making music? Um, I think I always knew and I always, um, I was always a performer. Um, so I, I did my, I say always, I did my first solo as a singer when I was eight. I think I actually played a duet with my piano teacher when I was about six, like, you know, in a school concert thing. Um, so I've been performing from when I was, yeah, so my first solo when I was eight years old and carried on doing that. Um, but I just, you know, I grew up in this culture that we, that we all grow up in, that, um, doesn't validate that as a life choice Mm -hmm. and um, I went to a school where you know they want to churn out lawyers and um, you know lawyers and doctors and (laughs) proper people (laughs) yeah I I feel you there (laughs) yeah running around finger painting and singing and singing on the swing and stuff like that and then and I, I remember when I was, you know, when we, when we started talking about careers at school, I, 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 I said that I wanted to be a singer, and the first, the next word was no. <laughs> um, so I did spend some time um, trying to have a normal life. You know, I tried, I tried to do all the things that um, I felt were expected of me, and um, and I just got more and more and more unhappy. And um, there was a moment where I was I was coming home from work and I'd had a really hard day and I was on the train and the previous train had been cancelled and so it was ran packed, it was rush mm-hmm. hour, there were hundreds of people on the train and, um, and the train journey was about 20 minutes and I had my laptop with me with some... Uh, it, with um, a piece of scoring software on the laptop so this is a, a piece of software where you can you know write the actually write the music um you know like the tadpoles i call them <laughs> <clears throat> and um, you know uh so rather than a, a program like garage band where you're you know recording sounds and stuff i was actually composing you know i was writing something and um and the train was absolutely rammed and I'd been waiting all day and I had like some ideas during the day and I'd, I'd been waiting all day to like get my hands on this piece of music that I was that I was making and um and I was so desperate to do it that I balanced my laptop on the bin <laughs> and stood there amongst you know being bashed about by people just desperately scoring out this piece of music and I just sort of almost had an out of body experience of watching myself do that thinking this is what you want to do um if there is any (laughs) gesture that explains what you want to do with your time on this earth that is it you know being squashed into an absolutely ram-packed train um standing on the bin balancing your laptop on the bin so that you can you know score eight bars of music um and I and that was the moment really where I, I I knew that I was on the wrong path and I had to do something about that. Well, now you're embarking on this new journey over the next year, One Woman, One Guitar. You'll be releasing a new song every two weeks. And so far you have two out as of today. Um, Did you have like, do you have a lot banked already? That's how I am. I would have like at least 10 or so in the bank. So I didn't have to worry about them. Or are you like (laughs) letting them come to you naturally? (laughs) No, I'm writing them as I go along, and I and I think that that is, um, and also I'm just yeah, I'm having different ideas about what I'm gonna do. Um, it's 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 kind of like it's, it's it's a bit of an open road. It's really it's really nice, um, but yeah, I'm I'm essentially I'm I'm writing them as we go along. Um, so if people are 
you know if, if people are interested in in following um in following the journey uh i don't know where it's going <laughs> so if you want to come with me it'd be great to have some company but i yeah i i don't i don't know what's going to happen um so where are we now so we're so we're october now so the third one um as of um how as of where we're speaking now the third one is out tomorrow so the third one's out on the 7th of october um and um i think there'll be a few more out by this by when this drops so we'll have like maybe three out (laughs) yeah sure so yeah it's every yeah it's every it's, it's every two weeks so um, yeah, at the at the time of recording, we've got two out and the third one out tomorrow, um, and it's um, I I just didn't I didn't want to put any other uh, restrictions on it other than it's just me and my guitar. So um, some of the so one of the ones actually that's been released already is is um, is a solo version of She's the Moon, which is the one that I wrote for my mum, the Joni one, um, and. Uh, so yeah as it stands we're currently recording the tracks for december so november's in the bag november's done and yeah so we're just recording what what we're recording at the moment are the december tracks i have no idea what's going to happen in january (laughs) (laughs) have you noticed any sort of theme to what you've recorded so far um i think i'm definitely enjoying the fact that they're getting released quickly so i'm very inspired by like what's happening at the moment um something that i've just written refers to um the passing away of the queen and um, it's not a, it's not a song about her but it, it there's a reference to it um we we lost our um monarch of 70 years um a couple of weeks ago and that was a that was a historical moment it's, you know and I, I like the fact that that's you know that's a moment in history that's worked it's that's found it's you know found a way into into one of my songs which is going to be released fairly quickly to when that happened um I've got I've written a I've written a Christmas song so um I, I I do normally try and put something out at Christmas um and that was written fairly fairly recently so the Christmas one's called the best gift is love and that's actually um, one of the November tracks so um, depending on when you're listening to this it might be out already it's called the best the best gift is love and um, yeah I wrote that yeah wrote and recorded it maybe two weeks ago so um, compared to where you know you might write a song with my first album I there were songs that I'd written when I was 15 and then I wasn't recording it until years later um was it weird to look back at what you wrote because I have I'm a writer so I look back at journals and I'm like girl what were you thinking yeah absolutely. (laughs) absolutely I used to get really embarrassed about it and I used to feel like um you know my early work is really embarrassing <laughs> and um, I was working with a coach who said well quite frankly if you can't look back at something you did 10 years ago and see how you can make it better then what have you been doing with your time mm-hmm. but, uh, you know that to allow yourself to grow as an artist I think is um is, is something that we can all um, make peace with and um, I'm definitely noticing that I'm paying yeah I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying the restrictions of because I love harmonies and I love the production process and like there's so many bells and whistles and you know so many like my last album um some of the tracks have got like two choirs and a hundred banks of backing vocals and you know really really big productions and um I'm actually really enjoying um the the restriction of you can't um I, I can't pretty it up by putting loads of backing vocals on it or making a really big production. It's it's just bringing it back to the story and to the and to the song. And I know you know some of them. I already know that some of them are going to go. You know, I'm I'm going to produce them in different ways and and they'll be released as as um, fully produced tracks. Um, one of the other November tracks is called "It's Okay to Cry," and um, that was yeah that that was something I, you know wrote a couple of weeks ago and recorded it and it's going to be out in November and um yeah 
I know that that's that's quite it's it's quite poppy and it would it would definitely benefit from a from a different production. But it's like I'm going to stick to what I said I would do, which is acoustic arrangements. So in the future, we'll hear some of these maybe like on an album redone, like revamped. Yeah, 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 maybe it's um yeah, and I think some of them. Um, so I, I I play in a band as well, so some of them will naturally um, lend themselves to you know slotting into our live show. Um, and I'll, I'll do that. I'm also um, doing my first, uh, first. I'm doing a house concert in at, um, in the studio um, to to make some videos for for this project, for the acoustic project. So I'm starting to just um, do the first gigs with um, with with the one girl one guitar songs. Um, so I'm like kind of going back to you know playing by myself. Um, which is also fun, you know. I love I love the band, but it's like there is something really simple about, you know. This is what what this is what I used to do when I was younger. That I would, I'd write a song, and then that afternoon or that evening, there was there was a time I lived in Cardiff for a bit when I was when I was a young, very young adult, and um, and it's a brilliant place for musicians. You can play every night of the week if you want. And um, and I would like write a song in the afternoon and then go gig it that afternoon, you know, oh. gig it that night. And it's um, there's there's a kind of rush about that that, you know, this is this is all very new and it's all very fresh and you're like so in love with these new songs when they're new and and all of that. And I'm I'm getting a little bit of that um, with this with this process that within you know within like six weeks of writing it, or whatever, um, the songs can be the, the songs can be out there for people to for people to hear. So. So, yeah. What sort of kickstarted the the project? What made you say, "Let's just me and my guitar, let's do this"? That is a really good question. Um, I have been. Have you heard of a book called The Artist's Way? Mm-mm. So, no. um, it's so it's written by uh, written by a playwright. Um, she's a playwright. She's a poet and all other manner of things called Julia Cameron and she's written this book called The Artist's Way which is like the creative's bible and it's it's very popular amongst um, writers and screenwriters and, and stuff like that but um, it's like a 12-step program for, for creatives and I I tried it years ago and, um, and and really liked it but I wasn't I, you know I was kind of in this I think it was too threatening because I was in this um, period of my life where I was like, no, I'm trying to be normal. I'm trying to, you know, um, you know, I've had my time to be creative, and I've had my time to to do that, and I'm trying to have a proper job and have a normal life and all of that. And I think that it, it touched too many nerves that I couldn't really go very far with it. And recently, um, I think I bought another copy during the pandemic, and um, I think I've carried it around with me everywhere for maybe a year. Um, this and it's I've learned so much about myself considering I'm a full-time musician and I you know I I, <laughs> I have in a way I feel like I have no right to be um, asking for more time to be creative because that's pretty much all I do but um, I learned so much about myself um, going through this process with reading reading this book and doing the sort of following the following the process and it just unlocked uh you know it, it unlocked a, a tidal wave of songs and i've just been writing and writing and writing and writing and writing and i'm writing quicker than i can get them out of my head like um, there have been a couple of days where it's almost been unbearable that like you know i actually have to go and do some emails and <laughs> get some shopping and you know function in the world and i've got four different songs knocking around in my head all like trying to get born and there's you know it's something quite overwhelming and I think um not having an outlet for that energy um is is what was making it hard and now that I've got um so that that was partly it was it was to channel this um channel this incredible wave of creativity that that, um, that I'm feeling at the moment. I'm also um, working with some amazing co-writers at the moment, and um, so it, it's it's a lovely opportunity to have something um, have something to like offer 
you know, rather than, well, let's just write something and see what happens, or let's write something for this. Um, I also wanted to um, embrace the digital space, so I've been quite slow to do that, really, because I'm pretty old school in a lot of ways. Um, and I, I'm also, in my uh, spare time, um, complete tree hugger, total hippie, um, <laughs> conservationist, like, quite active um, on the conservation kind of front. That's and so surprising since you spent your time in a yurt doing something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, um, and I just feel like so so much more about, you know, being an artist is about, um, you know, where we make our money is on merch. People will still make CDs even though people don't really use them. Um, and I didn't want to, you know, I don't want to spend my life making, selling T-shirts. And um, I'm not really hugely comfortable continuing to make cds and like have all of that plastic and 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 everything in the world um just because i need to do that because that's how artists make money so i was you know it, it was it was a way of embracing the digital space to see like how what would happen if i just released a new single every two weeks for well, an extended period of time so yeah well this time next year you should have about over two dozen if i do my math yeah, right i'm not a math person i'm a writer it's, it's, <laughs> it's, do well it's in that funny. class <laughs> so speaking of the digital space where can people find you online and your music so thank you so um so on spotify it, i'm i'm just dl it's d-i-e-l-l-e and there's a picture of uh there's, there's a lovely picture by one of my artists, Lauren, um, Lauren Norton, uh, somebody cuddling the earth, that's me, and um, the songs that are released under One Girl, One Guitar have all got the same picture, so uh, if you're looking for me on Spotify, if you look for DL and maybe Here Is My Heart, which was the first single, uh, come and follow me there, that would be great. I'm still fairly new to the Spotify space, so it'd be nice to have some Spotify friends. Um, and Bandcamp uh, have been amazing through the pandemic. They've supported artists with like, I think it's, I don't know, it's hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars that they've um, that they've waived in revenue share to support artists through the pandemic. Um, so uh, come to our Bandcamp. You can listen to everything for free. Um, that's um, that's DL again, D-I-E-L-L-E dot bandcamp.com. And there's a um, function there where you can you can follow or um, or leave an email and I can I, I can contact you. You'll also get updates when when new things go live and all of that. Um, on social media it's DL Music UK, it's D-I-E-L-L-E music in the normal way, UK. Um, I have been cloned on Instagram, so please make sure that it's not the one with the underscore at the end it's Ooh, an <gasps> imposter oh god it's so tedious <laughs> um but yeah and um i'm sorry instagram but you won't do anything about it so um yeah please be careful mm. because they're trying to get you to buy bitcoin oh god <laughs> yeah um so yeah it's just it's dl music uk no add-ons and um instagram facebook twitter and TikTok, come and duet me on TikTok. I'm doing like little little duets of all of the of all of the singles and like you know just covers of songs that I like and I really like. But yeah, I'm fairly new to TikTok as well, so um, come play. Well, TikTok is still something that I'm not I'm not big on. I don't get. I, I just have like my phone doesn't have the capacity to do more than the basic apps. <laughs> and right. I'm like, my mind's like, I I look when the TikTok makes it over to Instagram, then I'm like, oh yay, <laughs> yeah, I'm like it's yeah. found its way. I'll see it. It's popular now. Yay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it um it took me a little while to um it took me a little while to to get on board with TikTok really, but I think I just. I just didn't, I didn't really get it. I think you have to have a thing that you do on TikTok. Mm -hmm. And this is, and, and this is what I've, you know, 
what suits me is the is the duets because it just it it's everything that I love about music. You know, you can give tiny little snippets of um, you know, just just little um, earworms to people of you know of, of songs and things, and you can you can play little bits of music. But it brings it's bringing people together. Mm-hmm. You know, bringing people together through music is is kind of where I thrive really, and um, it's it's really good fun. It's it's really really good fun. Well, everyone, go duet with DL. <laughs> and I do want to thank you, DL, for taking the time to talk to me about your TV host crush. And everyone, you can find all of DL's information below. And until next time, as always, keep crushing it. <laughs>